and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this 24th episode is for the week of October 8th, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I am so happy to welcome musician, artist, and Planned Parenthood warrioress, Shelby Wentz, to join me on the podcast in a discussion on embracing the taboo. Now, just a quick note, I did change the title from when we originally uh, recorded it uh, earlier this week because I didn't quite know how it was going to turn out because it was she's a little bit of a different guest and someone I know in person here in San Diego, and I just thought she'd have a lot to share. So if you hear a different title about justice and things along those lines, it didn't quite turn out that way, but that's okay, you know. Um, and so uh, I switched it up a bit. And I did also get to mention at the end of our wrap-up that he, uh, this weekend uh, in San Diego, uh, our San Diego Astrological Society will be welcoming Wade Caves uh, for a lecture on uh, matters of career, the 6th and the 10th house. And then we're doing a workshop on annual forecasting. Um, and I think it's going to be an excellent event. So if you are in San Diego and you would like to check that out, I highly recommend you uh, coming to these events. He's coming all the way from um, the UK to to speak for us. And this will be happening on Friday the 12th, and the workshop will be on the 13th. Now, before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for only $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week rebirthing herself with a new moon conjunction in Libra. She begins her waxing cycle once again as we move forward with new intentions and refreshed energy. She remains on the sign of diplomacy and partnership before moving into the deep waters of Scorpio on Wednesday. Luna will hang out in this intensely passionate emotional energy until moving into the fiery enthusiasm of Sagittarius on Friday. She will cruise in Sag for most of the weekend until moving into the earthy productiveness of Capricorn around midday on Sunday. Now, just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, add about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to each other, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. 
Well, folks, this week kicks off with a dynamic and transformative new moon in Libra. And I have a feeling this is going to be one hell of a lunar month with the signature of the new moon and the full moon that is to come in a couple weeks. Uh, So, you know, you might want to buckle up for some changing tides. Um, And this week, we encounter a lot of shifts uh, as Venus is now retrograde in her motion and will be making a tense square to her natural counterpart, Mars. We also have an electric Mercury-Uranus opposition once the messenger moves into Scorpio. And the whole week will be colored by our biannual Sun-Pluto square, confronting us with the awareness of what in our life needs to transform to regain our equilibrium. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we have that new moon in Libra I was speaking of, and it happens a little later in the day uh, here in um, on the Pacific Coast. It happens at 8.47 p.m. Um, and on the way, the moon will trine Mars and then make that conjunction to the sun, which is what our new moon is. So let's talk a little bit about the new moon here, um, because this new moon is quite a dynamic one, not only because it's in a cardinal sign, which is known for its dynamic uh, initiating nature, um, but, but for also the significant aspects it makes, which you'll see unfold as I go on to talk about the planetary contacts for this week, because this is a rather active week. Um, And for those of you who might not know, to recap, new moons are a time where we are seeding a new intention that is to unfold over the lunar month, with a story that chapters forward until we reach the full moon in Libra next spring. Now that we are in the fall season, with the air getting crisper and drier and the harvest having come and gone, I look to this new moon as a time of decay that will be seeding us with choices to make about the path to take next. The moon brings the awareness of what needs greater balance and readjustment for harmony, because it is in Libra after all. Uh, And those causes and effects that have led us to this particular moment, along with the forthcoming decisions that will unfold uh, in their own domino effect as we move forward. And so we're birthing new conditions within our relationship to diplomacy and fairness, and what we feel and know is right or wrong with the world. Our relations to others speak volumes about how we treat ourselves, and now is a time to look within that outer mirror to forge a better path. And with this new moon ruler represented as a retrograde Venus in Scorpio, because the ruler of Libra is is Venus, um, and the fact that the sun and moon are making a square to the underworld lord Pluto, which I'll get in here uh, in a little bit, um, that airy quality of Libra kind of gets sucked down below and into deep watery territory, and where we will continue to wax towards an electric full moon in Taurus in just a few weeks' time. Uh, So much like the Pluto opposition to the solar eclipse that we had back in July and the trine with the new moon in Virgo that we had only, you know, a a lunar month ago, we're kind of carrying on a Plutonian story, creating events uh, on, you know, that are internal and external that may change the course of our trajectory. So to find out more about this uh, new moon in Libra, I have an article up on my astro blog at energeticprinciples.com. And if you'd like to show appreciation for this podcast and the work that I do, you can sign up for my moon horoscopes um, on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energeticprinciples. 
Now, the bottom line for Monday is, with much of the day taking place as the moon approaches her conjunction with the sun, we are finishing up all the loose ends on our to-do list from the previous cycle. And an early on uh, in the day trying to Mars gives us that mental go get them to, you know, take care of business. Because, you know, usually there's a lot of business to take care of on Monday. <laughs> Yet we are likely to feel the energy wane as the day progresses, as that new moon quiets down. So take some time to yourself this evening or spend it quietly with a loved one to reboot for what might be an intense week ahead. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is still in Libra, um, but we'll move to Scorpio rather late in the day. So that really will only happen for us here on the Pacific coast. Um, And along the way, she'll make a square to Pluto, a conjunction to Mercury, and then an opposition to Uranus. And so of note on Tuesday, we have Mercury, who is officially entering Scorpio. Spent some time in Libra, and Mercury just whipping on through these days, and now it's on to Scorpio. And so with the messengers slipping into the sign of the Scorpion, our intellect and communications are likely to be on more of the deeper side of human matters, you know, because Scorpio can take it deep. Um, And our minds are willing to dive below the surface and use reason and logic to help comprehend some of the more murkier sides of life from an instinctual awareness that only Scorpio can tap into. And so this is a time where we are likely to see more taboo material in the news, more so than it's already been. And with Venus retrograding through the sign and Jupiter about to finish up his own year-long stay in Scorpio, there's a considerable amount of planets that are representing this transformative territory. Having conversations on more intimate matters may be necessary, and our minds are more able to traverse our psychological landscape with greater insight of what lies beneath. Because Scorpio is all about diving deeper, and you may be called to engage in more intense research now, as you do your best to get to the heart of the matter within whatever you are passionate about. The mind may have a more obtrusive um, and kind of obsessive bent to it than usual. You know, things might just be on your mind that will not go away um, or seem to disrupt you or, you know, cause some like mental destruction away. Uh, But try to use that in a positive light, you know, because uh, because we can dive so psychologically deep at this time, you know, look into those things. (laughs) Um, And if they do come around, because Scorpio energy is a fixed sign and it can get stuck from time to time uh, and it, you know, can go around in circles. So if you find yourself in a mind loop, take the time out to find some peace from whatever compulsion may arise. Uh, So Mercury is going to be in the sign of the Scorpion until October 30th, um, yet Mercury will retrograde in November and will re-enter Scorpio again from a short period of time from December 1st to December 12th. So just note that um, in later October, we might be revisiting some themes when Mercury retrogrades. Now, the bottom line for Tuesday is um, that some transformative dreams may permeate our sleep the night prior with Luna square to Pluto, providing subconscious food for thought, you know, especially since we have a Sun-Pluto square coming up here shortly. And as Mercury sits on the 29th degree of Libra before moving into Scorpio, we may be tested by communications, news, or just plain old restless energy uh, that comes our way. And in the evening, uh, at least here on the Pacific coast, the moon moves into the deeper emotional waters of Scorpio and triggers a zero-degree Mercury that has also just crossed into, you know, the Scorpion's territory. 
So now we are likely to feel tomorrow's electric Uranus aspect with the messenger beginning to, you know, brew that energy. Um, And our boundaries, or the lack thereof, may be challenged at this time, leading, uh, you know, into the intensity that lies ahead, because here, because here we go. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get on to Wednesday here. And so Wednesday, we have two significant things happening. We've got Mercury, who will be opposing Uranus, uh, who's currently retrograde. Um, and we also have Venus, who is retrograde, uh, making a square to Mars. So we have two tense aspects happening. Um, and so let's talk about Mercury opposing Uranus first. And once again, to recollect, Mercury is our communications, our messages, how we collect information or process things intellectually, uh, transactional material, um, whether that's an exchange of words or an exchange of money. And uh, an opposition is always, you know, a tug of war of some sort or uh, an outside force that is calling for us to make a choice or a decision about something or bringing something to our awareness uh, that we must deal with. And what is being brought to our awareness? Well, uh, Uranus, which is kind of somewhat the planet of awareness, not quite. I mean, that's where the sun gets in there. But Uranus, what it does is, you know, it it brings us a bolt from the blue that awakens us in some way or raises our vibration um, to help liberate us from an influence. Um, But it can happen really fast and it can bring a storm into our lives in some way, whether it's on the internal or the external. So having both Mercury oppose Uranus on the same day that Venus retrograde squares Mars and, you know, the moon is now in Scorpio, we have one heck of a cosmic setup here. And chances are that we are likely to see big news in relation to the women's movement and the court case in the papers and throughout online media because it's going to be kind of triggering um, the same uh, planetary aspects that happened when uh, the when the first trial started. So what comes in may be a little bit shocking or upsetting in a way that causes a disruption. Um, and with Mercury now in Scorpio and currently disposed by Mars in Aquarius, who is making a square to Venus retrograde also in Scorpio, all these fixed signs are getting a tense workout. So whatever's shaken up is likely emotional or ideological material that is deeply ingrained and more disturbed by waves of change than other signs might be. And this is likely to be a day where we feel more scattered or nervous or restless than usual, and we can become impatient with our routines. It may be all too easy to speak rather hastily or make blunt statements that could take things a little too far or be deemed as inconsiderate. And Scorpio is known for making comments that go straight to the heart, whether they realize it or not. So if you feel you get stung today, look at what truth lies in that blow, as Uranus's goal is to lift us higher in the end. And sometimes we just need to free ourselves by getting something off our chest, a secret or an emotional matter that has been living below the surface, making now a good time to do so. So regardless, midweek is likely to bring what we don't normally encounter our way. So if you experience breakdown, Hold space and be open to the breakthrough that follows. Now, with Venus retrograde uh, making the square to Mars, you know, Venus is how we relate to people and that social dynamic, you know, our own self-worth or what it is we value. Um, And also, you know, creating balance and harmony and opening up to things. 
And a square brings events or act, you know, that have to put us into action or that challenge us in some way or cause friction. Um, and Mars is, uh, you know, our, our drive, um, and what we focus our action on. But, you know, our typically, you know, Venus and Mars are essentially that, uh, female male dynamic. And so I think that it has, uh, it's really representing kind of that <laughs> that polarity, especially within our um, what we're experiencing in the world right now. And so this will be the second pass of Venus meeting Mars, as she had previously crossed his path back on September 8th, uh, which was the day before our new moon in Virgo. So there may be a revisiting of a storyline that was taking place a little over a month ago. And now that Venus has turned inward to reprocess our relationships and our values and whether or not things are in or out of integrity in our lives, we are likely to find ourselves at an internal crossroads that is taking place. Relating with others may just seem harder right now, and the spirit of compromise has gone the way of the wind. So if you find interactions with others to be a bit irritating right now, it is par for the course. And if an old lover pops back in from nowhere, you know, you may want to pause a second before going down that road again. Yet ultimately, I see emotional breakthrough potential within these two aspects today. So look to cut through any intensity and detach yourself enough to see things for what they really are. Now, the bottom line for Wednesday is is that today is likely to be an intense day as passions are up and deeply emotional material may color the energy. We are likely to be more sensitive than usual and can be overly offensive or defensive about a matter. Irritations will rub us the wrong way and we will be wondering if what we encounter still holds value in our lives. Get through whatever you, you know, whatever steps up to the plate and take a moment to reconnect and find compassion for yourself and others. Because finding forgiveness can go a long way on a day like today. Now, Thursday, we have the moon still in Scorpio uh, and we'll make a sextile to Pluto earlier on in the day and then make a conjunction to Jupiter. And so of note for Thursday is that... um, This is the day that the sun will be making its square to Pluto. And so the sun, it's our life force, our vitality, uh, you know, that conscious awareness or, you know, that spotlight that's like, (laughs) ta-da, check this out. And so a lot of times when we have sun aspects, especially with the outer planets, you know, we're turning a page of some sort. And so once again, that square energy can cause challenge or friction or events that push us into action. And they're nobody's fault Um, And especially when we're talking about Pluto, we don't want to bring the blame game or bring the resentment. You know, we just have to honor it and accept it for what is. And so what is that? Well, Pluto brings transformative type of energy, changes, you know, situations that cause great change in our life. Um, And basically through that, instinctual emotions can come out um, that are trying to purify us in a way as long as we don't fully get dragged down by what it is we encounter. And so our new moon manifestation energies are going to get pushed today as the sun in Libra perfects its square to Pluto and Capricorn. And we may be confronted with powerful forces outside of ourselves that can challenge our overall awareness of what needs to change in our lives. Events can take place that make great demands and test our ability to let go of old patterns that are keeping us from initiating new conditions. 
And dealing with authority figures can be rough, and we may find ourselves in a situation that seems rather unfair. So whatever is taking place, you know, is giving us much fodder into our Venus retrograde story, as the sun is currently represented by Our Lady Venus, who is donned in Scorpio's transformative robes. Um, So, you know, life is mutating, and holding on to whatever uh, was, you know, will only make the transitions more difficult. And so, you know, we're likely to see, especially midweek, power plays and control dynamics uh, becoming apparent. And situations are likely to break down more easily than usual. Yet if we act on the friction that is happening, we can make creative changes to our lives, you know, from the inside out. Ones that will purge away any dense material that may be keeping us from our power and the ability to architect our lives into greater integrity. So roll with the changing tides, you know, let go of any resistance and see where the current takes you. Now, for the bottom line for Thursday is, is that today we are emotionally maturing. If we let go of that resistance, of course, we can't resist. When Pluto's around, don't resist. (laughs) Put down the sword. Um, And since we have that early day sextile to Pluto, followed up by that conjunction to Jupiter later on, we are getting quite clear on what situations need to transform in our lives. And emotionally, we can now merge with that knowing and quite possibly feel optimistic about the changes that lie ahead, especially if it helps to heal a situation that has been out of integrity for too long. Actively engaging in your own renewal would be a great benefit at this time, you know. Instead of having change seek you, seek seek the change. <laughs> Now, on Friday, the moon moves into Sagittarius, um, and there's actually no moon aspects happening on Friday, or at least here on on the Pacific coast. Uh, It will overlap if you're other places in the world. But I live here, and I'm going with that. (laughs) Now, uh, as far as aspects are concerned, we have Mercury, who will be making a sextile to Saturn. So a couple days ago, it made an opposition to Uranus, and now it's coming around to make an opportunistic... um, uh, Uh, connection to Saturn. And so once again, Mercury, you know, communications, information, uh, our perception of things, you know, learning and communicating will be uh, in a sextile, which a sextile creates opportunities, you know, a door can open that we can walk through, but we have to take the, you know, initiative to do so. And so what is that door opening to? Well, it is Saturn. Um, (laughs) Not everyone wants to open that door, but you know, sometimes Saturn is a good thing. Um, So my phone rings right when it says that. (laughs) So, all right, Saturn. So Saturn, structure, responsibility, commitment, Um, you know, foundations, consolidating things and thinking about the long term and getting organized. So uh, the mind is centered on more serious concerns when Mercury makes a contact with Saturn because Saturn's a little bit serious. Yet because it's a sextile, I think there's an opportunity for our intellectual and communicative faculties to go further on a matter and get all the details out into the open. Normally, this influence may have us only focused on the intricacies of a matter, yet with the moon in big picture Sagittarius, we can also feel out that more expansive whole because Sagittarius can see that, you know, the, it's the visionary. It can see everything around it. So this could be an excellent day to reach out to an authority figure or an elder you respect to get some advice on a matter or to go deeper into uh, research on a topic that your mind is passionate about. Concentration is high and the practical can be sorted out with more enthusiasm than normal. 
We are moving beyond and ready to commit to what is next for our future by taking pragmatic steps that communicate our intentions in the real world. So the bottom line for Friday is that energy lightens up a bit as the dark waters of Scorpio recede into the fiery optimism of Sagittarius. The moon receives a planetary break today, letting us take in and process our newfound philosophies that are brewing. We will be ready to embrace the motion of life while also feeling enthusiastic about the changes that self-improvement can bring. Now, on Saturday, the moon is still in Sagittarius and will make a sextile to Mars like super early, like (laughs) midnight-ish, a square to Neptune and then a sextile to the sun. Uh, And we don't have any aspects going on for the rest of the weekend, which thank goodness because, you know, we've had a lot through the week. (laughs) And so the bottom line for Saturday is that the day may start a little foggy with that square to Neptune earlier on in the day and our dream lives may run rampant while while asleep and then upon waking. So if you know you're you're like, ah, I just can't get it going, you know, on Saturday, that's okay. That could be a nice day to sleep in. But you know, if you do have dreams, note any significant ones that come to you, you know, because it's a way to get into that psyche um, and under, and understand yourself better. I'm a very um, I'm a solid advocate of of dream interpretation and paying attention to your dreams because there's a lot of material that lies there. So you'll notice that (laughs) as I give my forecasts. Now, later on in the day, on Saturday, uh, we become increasingly clearer and the week's conflicts begin to lift when an optimistic Sagittarius moon makes a sweet sextile to our harmony-seeking sun in Libra. So if needed, you know, take the day off and find a little adventure with a friend or a loved one or dive into a good book that can take you on a mental getaway. Ultimately, it's a good day to learn something new and to expand your consciousness ever further. Now, on Sunday, the moon is still in Sagittarius, uh, but will move into Capricorn around midday here on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she will try in Uranus and then make a conjunction to Saturn. And so the bottom line here is that uh, we have a two-part day where we awaken still on that freedom-loving sign of Sagittarius, and then we move into business-oriented Capricorn around midday. Um, And it might take a little bit to get going, uh, yet once we do, we are likely to find that some responsibilities we put off for another day may now be pressing. And the optimism may fade a little as our reality lens begins to focus back into view. Um, But rather than getting down or dwelling on, you know, potentially depressing matters or situations that limit our freedom in some way, you know, put that energy into a project or a task that can give you that rewarding feeling of accomplishment. Because Capricorn, uh, as I well know, being a moon in Capricorn, we love to accomplish things. Now, to wrap it all up, um, our new moon in Libra sets off a transformative and earth-shaking lunar month, and we are likely to feel the great forces of this change upon us. How that looks on a personal level will be different for everyone. So have patience with yourself and others this week, as we are all challenged on our comfort zones and moving into unfamiliar territory. So let's take a look at the cards because they always add an an extra little bit of dimension to, you know, what we're talking about here. And so this week I drew the Magician as the focus and the Eight of Cups as the grounding. And with the Magician as the focus, this is a week of self-empowerment and knowing that it is within our hands to take action. 
The magician aids us in the use of tapping into our greatest resources and personal talents in order to manifest that which we desire in life. The magician will wave his wand into the air and poof, our desires are born into the earthly plane. No more contemplation is needed. It's time to wave our wands and begin a fresh new course of energy. There is a certain magic in the air to this week, and we may feel that greater forces are at work in our lives. Yet we must, uh, you know, own our own ability to create the results that we are looking for. Now, with the Eight of Cups as the grounding, we are manifest, you know, what we're manifesting is rooted in the need to move on in life and to change the course of our direction. If a situation has lost its ability to grow or we have personally outgrown it, this is the time to move on. If we allow ourselves to emotionally let go and sacrifice the dead weight, we will free ourselves to find what will truly satisfy us and provide deeper meaning. It may be a difficult decision to make, yet a necessary one. There is no fault or blame to assign. You know, the situation just is what it is, and that is okay. Dispel any illusions and release what is no longer right for you, as the magician inside is positively empowering you to do so. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the dove. Our dear feathered friend is reminding us to slow down this week in order to find a sweet piece of serenity. Sometimes life gets so chaotic and full of turmoil that we forget to breathe and take the time to recenter ourselves. So if you find that you're in a state of anxiety or uncertainty over a particular situation, do yourself a favor and pause in order to reconnect. We know that doves are the international symbol of peace, and true peace is something that is cultivated from within. Our bird friend also reminds us that worry doesn't really ever help to find a solution. The answer will find you as long as you approach it from a calm and well-rooted position. So whatever life throws at you this week, Love yourself enough to take a time out to spiritually connect with the most positive way to handle any stressor that arrives. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with the energy and how that will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. And you don't need to be a tarot expert. You know, you can just be starting out. In fact, I encourage that. Yet if you are an expert, you know, it gives you food for thought and new weekly spreads. I also highlight a crystal and a custom quote each week um, to, you know, help add to it all. And I, you know, I do it every week and I find it highly, uh, useful myself. So if you are at all curious, I'd love for you to come on down and check it out. Last week, we worked on re-examining value and worth as we had Venus going retrograde. And this week, we're going to be working on cycling through change with all this Plutonian energy. So if you want to find out more and check out a freebie spread, you can do so on patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome this week's guest, Shelby Wentz. Thank you so much for being here. For having me on. And Shelby and I have known each other for a while, I think. She's a fellow San Diegan here, um, and we're in the music scene. She's also a fellow singer and bass player. You know, we got to give it up for us women behind the bass and the mic. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Shelby, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. Um, So I'm Shelby. (laughs) I love reintroducing myself after people say that. Um, (laughs) 
yeah, I live in San Diego. I've been here for most of my life, uh, except for a short little stint in that I lived in Portland for a little while, just like six months or so. Um, and I was born in Hawaii, actually. Oh. Um, but I've been here most of my life. Um, I play music. I do art. Um, I most recently got into doing resin things, um, working with epoxy resin. Um, I go-go dance. That's a new thing started this year. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do a lot of different things. Um, I work full-time at Planned Parenthood um, in our local affiliate. Um, so besides working full-time, I, I have a lot of side things that I do, um, singing in the band, um, making things with res. <laughs> so I keep myself extremely busy and I'm a cat mom. Um, so my two cats and I am married. Yes. And I'm assuming you keep yourself very busy because we have a, a double Virgo here. We got a Virgo, uh, sun and moon. So Shelby's on the go, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm constantly holding myself to a ridiculous standard of needing to produce things and make things and work hard. And I have a hard time giving myself a break. <laughs> yeah, that happens with Virgo energy. I have my, I have, I have Saturn in Virgo and that is, Saturn will whip, will whip that whip. Yeah, will whip that whip basically. And then it, it won't stop until it's perfect. Otherwise I can't rest. <laughs> so that fits very well into, you know, being a musician and the, the, you know, even the crafts and the epoxy stuff. Cause I've seen you've been uh, doing that recently. You have like little keychains that have like letters and stuff in them. Yeah. I just, I have a whole bunch of different molds and basically I just use the resin to make, I, what I've been doing the most of is little hearts and stuff like that. Um, you can make them into keychains or pins, um, and earrings. I have, I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff, but it's so fun to work with resin because it's like kind of perfect for a Virgo in that, um, when you, you have to mix it very exact. And then once you mix it and it's, it starts the chemical reaction, you have pretty much 30 minutes almost. 30 to 40 minutes uh, working time before it becomes this like gluey mess that you can't work with at all. So in the Virgo way, it's like very structured where it's like a craft that has a start and a stop time. And you really have to be prepared before you go because you can't just mix it and then be like, okay, let me get my colors together. So uh, <laughs> kind of a, it's kind of exhilarating while you're working with it. Cause you, you only have so much time to do it. Yeah. I, I tried the, I tried doing resin uh, about, a decade ago and I was all excited about it. I got a kit, brought it all out. I was trying to do like a bracelet. Oh, that did not go well. <laughs> it, uh, it did not pan out for me, but I, so when I see things like that, uh, you know, I understand, you know, how precise that it is to do, you know, it's, there's, there's work that goes into that, but yeah. Yeah. But they're really cute. They have like, you have fun messages that you have and like empowering messages, right? Yeah, I'm trying. So initially with the the little alphabet beads and stuff, I was just doing fun, cutesy stuff. And then I was realizing I really wanted to do more fun stuff and bold stuff that was just, I don't know, a little bit more. Like I started saying, doing hearts that just say fuck it or, or <laughs> um, <laughs> most popular one, um, don't fuck it up or just, or a oh, How Virgo is that? <laughs> what? How Virgo is that? No, don't like, fuck it up. <laughs> Um, uh, bitch or like I think I have one that says whore just stuff that's like kind of reclaiming some of those words that were once people would use you know well people still use as insults and um just 
kind of reclaiming and saying, if you want to call yourself a bitch and say, yeah, I'm a bitch and own it, <laughs> but yeah. bitch in like the sense of just being a bad bitch, you know, getting shit done, being like just owning yourself. Um, that's kind of what I was trying to, now I'm starting to do more of, and people seem to really enjoy those ones. Yeah. I thought it was fun, especially the format of them. Cause you know, they're, it's a heart, it's glittery, it's fun. Yeah. And then it's like, fuck it. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> yeah. I <Totally>. hear you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. So, well, we're going to be talking, we have like a haphazard topic here because we're just talking today. Basically there's a lot going on in the stars for this week, but most notably uh, Venus squaring Mars, which has been a hot topic as Venus is now retrograde and we in Scorpio um, and a lot of uh, murky subjects are coming up to the surface. Um, and I just wanted to kind of pick Shelby's brain, especially since she's been in, um, in uh, a role at Planned Parenthood for a very long time. And I'm sure you see some of those, um, see a lot of things come through your, <laughs> through your viewpoint. Uh, so I titling it finding justice, merging the whole, um, because we're noticing these two sides of things. Um, you, we're going to be talking about some of the binary stuff later, uh, gender binary stuff, but essentially we're, we're finding that, you know, these things don't fit into either side. It's, it's kind of meeting in the middle here. Um, so Shelby, tell us a little bit about your role at Planned Parenthood, um, and what it is you do. Um, and we'll go from there. So, um, just to give you a little history of, um, my time at Planned Parenthood. So I've actually been working there for about 12 and a half years now. Um, I spent the first nine, eight and a half years or so, um, working in the health center. So direct patient care. So I was working, working at patients, seeing them, you know, doing all their vitals, doing STI testing, um, counseling. Um, so it was very hands-on in the clinic, hustle bustle. Um, and then in the, I, I believe I moved to administration, I think about four years ago. I don't know if that, all that math is working out, but <laughs> <laughs> I've been in administration for a little while, and so now I actually work in the um, operations department. So um, essentially, the main bulk of what I do is managing programs and projects that are related to health centers. So like a pretty straightforward example would be like um, with uh, we have HIV medications um, that HIV preventing medications. And so one of my programs is um, PrEP and PEP. Um, so basically I manage those programs. So we try to make it as easy as possible for patients to come in and get evaluated to see if they're good candidates for the PrEP or PEP medication. Um, and then I've created like tools and resources to make that simple for patients and our staff as well. And then um, ensuring that the patient can leave the clinic and then get their medications as soon as possible um, after seeing us. So that's one of, that's kind of my pet project because I'm really passionate about that one in particular. Um, so yeah, most of my work is centered around health center support, um, projects and things. Yeah. And when you had mentioned about, you know, the, the preventative HIV medicine, I mean, I had never heard of anything like that. Um, is, is this relatively new or is it, um, we started doing it at our affiliate probably three years ago or more. So, I mean, it's relatively new, um, I think for us and also just in San Diego County, I mean, I can't give you the exact date of when it started rolling out um, people carrying the medication or when the medication came about. Um, but for us, um, we start, we rolled it out a few years ago. So it is relatively new in that sense. Um, but it's so amazing because you just think about, you know, when I was working in the clinics, which wasn't that long ago, 
um, you'd come in, you know, you get your HIV test. And um, if you had had, say, unprotected sex the night before and you thought maybe you were at risk for having um, been exposed to an HIV virus, we would say, okay, well, we're going to get you tested today. It's like a baseline test and then come back and we'll do another test to confirm that you're negative. Um, but now we can say, oh, you had, you know, unprotected sex or a condom broke or something last night. Well, then we can actually get you the PEP medication, um, which can prevent HIV exposure if taken within 72 hours after having sex with someone who may have exposed to HIV. So it's kind of like the emergency pill for HIV. For HIV. <laughs> you think like, you know, just five years ago when I was in the clinics, that wasn't even something that we had. And now we're, you know, we're, it's something we can do is just so exciting because that's just, it's game changing for, I think, reproductive healthcare and um, STI prevention. Yeah, that's, it really is. I mean, because it's, those are three dreaded letters, you know, for, for, for many people. And it's like a, almost like a a sentence to say the least. So that's wonderful that there's something out there that uh, can help combat if you have that moment where, you know, maybe judgment wasn't what it was, or maybe fate took over and something happened and, you know, uh, because that's the reality of life. Um, And now, is it a one-time treatment? Or is it something much like the Plan B pill? So PEP, um, which is post-exposure prophylaxis, I'm going to give you the acronym explanation. Um, that is a, that's a one-time thing for that specific incident, if you want to call it that. Um, but PrEP, which I like, it's such a convenient acronym because PrEP is like you're preparing. Um, <laughs> so PrEP, which is pre-exposure um, prophylaxis, is basically... It would be like you're taking a pill every day as long as you need it to prevent HIV. So say my partner is HIV positive, or maybe I have multiple partners and I'm not quite sure what their HIV status is. I might think, hey, I'm going to get on PrEP um, because I can take this pill every day. And then if I happen to have sex with someone who has HIV, I'm actually going to prevent myself from getting it. And it works. I want to say the statistic is like over... 80, 90% or so. It's pretty high. I'm probably being on the, on the, um, safe side, but I think it's actually really high. If you're taking your medication every single day at the same time and taking it consistently, um, especially for people who have partners who are HIV positive and, you know, want to have unprotected sex with their partners and feel safe. Um, it's, it's amazing because now you can take this pill and you're not going to be exposed to the virus. Yeah, that is, that is definitely game changing for a lot of people. I assume, you know, and I'm surprised that I'm, I mean, not that I'm seeking it or anything, but you would think that, especially of being out for a couple of years now, that somehow it would have come across my ears at some point. So I'm wondering how many people are like me that are like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> One thing I was going to note too is um, I think it's a little unfortunate that it has been branded so early on as for just. Um, men, like all of the brochures I've seen and billboards are usually like a, it shows like a gay couple, like two men smiling or something. And it says something about prep or pep. Um, and I think that's just unfortunate because I, it, 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 it just started branding, which is kind of excluding women from the um, conversation, but it com- totally and completely should include anyone who's at risk for HIV or has been exposed to HIV. So that's not a strict gender, um, issue. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not men, it's not women, it's anybody. Um, so that's, that's the only thing I think sometimes it's unfortunate. And that's why perhaps you may not have even heard of it because it's probably not been marketed to you. 
um, you know, with, yeah. with photos or with advertising or where they put the advertising. So um, I do think that's interesting. It was kind of like when they, um, the Gardasil vaccine, when they first launched Gardasil and everyone was talking about HPV prevention, mm-hmm. um, it was so much pushed on women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> vagina, you should get the HPV vaccine, but it goes much, it's, it's, you know, they finally realized, oh, if we give the HPV, HPV vaccine to young boys, then they'll, you know, it'll prevent them from getting certain strains of HPV. So then when they have sex in the future, if they're in a heterosexual relationship with a, a woman, then may, maybe they, we can prevent exposure that way. So kind of adding responsibility to both. Both ends. sides. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering if some of these things, um, you know, because the role between, say, going to Planned Parenthood or, you know, now that a lot of us, because my my uh, history of Planned Parenthood, especially in my 20s, like it was a godsend because, you know, there was no, uh, you know, I didn't have health care or anything like that. And Planned Parenthood was, was and still is a, such an amazing resource. Um, but now, you know, since I'm on, you know, a covered California plan and I'm going to an actual, my actual, you know, PCP to do these types of things, I wonder how well informed, uh, say, the doctor I go to is versus, you know, people like yourself or, you know, the practitioners at Planned Parenthood, um, you know, that are just focused on this one thing or not one thing, but, you know, uh, right productive health just in general. Yeah. So is that maybe a reason why I haven't heard things like this too? Yes, I totally think so. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think we've definitely seen a shift in our patient demographic. I mean, a lot more of our patients are coming in with insurance um, and choosing to come to us with their insurance if they're able to or paying out of pocket. Um, and so it, and I think the reason they're choosing us is because we really have established ourselves as the experts in this field. So sex, you know, birth control, STIs, um, that's just that whole world. We really are, in my opinion, my humble opinion, <laughs> the experts in that field. And, and a lot of things that I think a lot of primary care physicians who maybe are working, say at, you know, whatever community clinic or, um, you know, some of the big name hospitals like Sharp or Kaiser, um, they do so much as a primary care provider that they don't have that kind of microscopic lens on how to take care of reproductive health issues. Um, and so I think a huge reason that people keep coming to us is because we can talk to you about, you know, every single kind of pill you could possibly be taking uh, to prevent pregnancy. We can also talk to you about how to prevent HIV. And then let's look at that bump that you have and <laughs> have those conversations and patients just feel so comfortable, much more comfortable, I think, talking to us about that than they might their doctor they see once a year for the quick, like a flu shot and, you know, shake your hand, see you next year kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I do think that maybe people aren't getting as much specialized conversations and stuff about reproductive health care and what's out there. Um, advances in reproductive health care because I think primary care physicians are, I mean, they're awesome. I'm so glad people have health insurance. More, yes. You know. Um, but I definitely think there's a gap in education. Yes. And I would, uh, I would agree with that for sure. And, but it also shows why, uh, you know, how important Planned Parenthood's role is, you know, even yeah. in, in the medical, you know, 
industry, but also in a societal role, you know, that is being played here. And probably white people aren't so, you know, happy about it. Some people, <laughs> uh, <my> Lord. <laughs> yeah. um, now you also are working on something else there that has to do with a new, uh, kind of department or, you know, something going on there. Right. Um, so transgender care, um, is going to be, or opening our services, um, to be more trans friendly. That is a huge thing that we are embarking upon. And it really, I say embarking because it is such a journey of just learning and, and just so much to learn to make sure that we are doing it right. Um, and that's happening over the next, probably I'd say, I want to give it exact, but maybe the next year, um, we're going to be rolling out, um, trans, um, transgender services, which is very, very exciting. Um, there's a huge need in the community. Um, when I went to, I went recently to a conference in, um, Pasadena called the gender odyssey conference. Um, and we had people coming up to our group when they identified us as Planned Parenthood (laughs) saying, you know, I, I work in San Diego. I work at this place or that place. Can you please start offering these services, you know, hormonal, um, care, um, and realizing that there's just so many more patients than we can even take care of. And so we need, there, there needs to be more community organizations offering transgender care, um, yeah. in a very specialized way, just as we've always done with, with being experts in reproductive health care, just also being another voice in the community that can actually have, you know, open arms to the entire transgender community to come and feel safe and to talk about that um, transgender issues with us. Yeah. And it seems like the right organization to kind of open its doors to, you know, take upon that role because it seems like it, it fits rather well, you know, I mean, cause essentially that's what we're talking about with Planned Parenthood is reproductive issues and, you know, our genitals fall in there, obviously those are like the main parts we're talking about for the most part. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we do need these resources. Um, and that landscape is changing. I had, uh, Mars Gradiva on here, um, a transgender from, uh, Canada an astrologer. We had a fabulous talk on, uh, kind of the problem with gender binary, or at least in astrology, you know, like those old terms with Venus and Mars and how they don't, don't quite fit. And essentially, you know, kind of like what Lloyd <laughs> named this particular topic, merging the whole, you know, that's essentially what's going on here is it's not just, you know, boys and girls it's it's everything in between and i think it's a wonderful thing because you know as humans we are not black and white there it's all gray it's all gray (laughs) up in here and you know so how what do you think do you think there's a what do you think is the kind of the biggest challenge to kind of get through as you open up you know (laughs) these new offerings i think one of the biggest things in early on that I think I've seen is that um, so many of the, the healthcare uh, programs just across every kind of organization are centered around uh, really, really gendered care. So say, for example, you know, back in the day when I started, we just had paper charts, you know, we just wrote everything on paper and it was in a little manila folder, but now everything's electronic and pretty much every high quality healthcare organization is going to have electronic healthcare records. Um, and in those systems, um, up until pretty recently, they, they didn't have, you know, when there would be, um, gender, you know, there's a drop down and it has male, female, you know, Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing about sexual orientation 
or um, gender identity um, or just even, you know, what you're working with. Do you, are you a person that has a penis? Are you a person that has a vagina? Are you at risk for pregnancy? Um, you know, regardless of what your gender expression is, because maybe you present yourself um, male presenting, but you have a vagina and we still need to talk to you about pregnancy risk. So I think it's the, the industry of uh, electronic health records is trying to catch up, I think, very quickly and maybe rushing even a little to realizing that more and more patients, um, more and more people, not everyone's patient, but <laughs> <laughs> I think of so many, so many things in the terms of patients, um, people um, are, you know, saying, hey, I'm non-binary. I'm not going to define myself as male or female. I'm not on the binary spectrum. I'm non-binary or gender fluid or gender queer. And, um, you know, uh, we still don't have, we're not fully prepared as far as our, um, technology to acknowledge that, um, fully so that when, you know, your document prints out at the end of the visit, it acknowledges you as a whole person, fully who you are, what your expression is, your, you know, your identity, your sexual orientation. Um, so I think that's kind of the biggest hurdle I saw initially is that um, being able to get technology to keep up with what we're seeing culturally um, and more and more. I think the next generation is Gen Z. Yeah, I think there is. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think I can't remember the exact statistic, but it was something along the lines of a very large amount of Gen Z people are um, identifying as non-binary. Um, and I think that's awesome because I mean, for so long, everything's been pink and blue and, you know, you go to the store and everything's separated and boys and girls and, and why can't, why can't things just be fluid and people be able to go whichever way they like or set somewhere in the middle. And, and, uh, it's been so restrictive to make, to force people to identify as male and female. And so I think it's really exciting to find now there's going to be a whole generation of people who are saying, you know what? No, no, thanks. I don't want to abide by those, those laws, oh, yeah. the rules of male, female, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. That great gender divide that we've managed to create over, <laughs> you know, human history. Uh, and really it only takes like a generation or so to make some changes like that because there's so many people are going to identify with uh, new boxes to click or the lack of a box to click. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I'm, cause that's the thing is like the reality is, is so many options are coming to the table now. And I think that's why people have a hard time fixing, you know, how we approach this, you know, how, what's, so maybe if we don't approach it, you know, like kind of just get away with, from the binary idea to begin with, rather than having 5 million more boxes to click, to kind of fit, try to fit into a box, you know, um, maybe that's, also, oh, sorry. No, um, go ahead. Also having, um, transgender people or non-binary people inform the work that you're doing, which is something that we're doing um, mm. we are working with consultants because um, you don't want a whole group of cisgender people um, launching a transgender services program, you know, because you're going to miss the mark because you're not, you know, there's a difference between um, knowing about maybe the experience of a transgender person but versus knowing of, that's something that I, I think I heard at one of my conferences, um, knowing of meaning you're living that life every day of your life because you are a transgender person. Um, and then one of the things, since you brought up checkboxes that I wanted to mention um, is that really struck me when I heard this um, was 
I think the solution from, for probably up until now and continuing probably for a while that I've seen um, organizations use is having a box that says other. Mm. So maybe male, female, other. And um, something that really uh, impressed upon me when I was at the transgender conference was um, uh, non-binary or transgender people saying, you know, it sucks to, to be othered. Um, yeah. So you're not, you don't even get a name. You're just the other box. Like, yeah. It's, it's another form of alienation in a sense. Yeah, and really it's making you feel like, oh, well, I don't fit into your nice tidy boxes. So now I'm just other and I can choose to write something on the line. But why would I even want to at this point? Because now I'm just an other. I'm the alien. I'm the non-conforming person. Which, you know, some people might find pride in that too. Um, but um, just being othered is just, it's, it's an interesting um, thing to consider as, as we go forward and are trying to make our medical records, um, you know, super inclusive, um, is that the other box is not always the solution. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I can see how that would be. Yeah. Because it's, it's hard to be an other because at the same time, you know, people are just trying to fit in. And if you're already at a, a point where, you know, it's hard to fit in with, just how you feel or the decisions you've made or what have you, you know, that's, I, I get it. There, the, no other. And even with, yeah, no, I'm not even going to go there. But anyways, <laughs> I want to play real quick to what you're saying and uh, give props to Planned Parenthood for bringing in, um, you know, uh, to, to build the program around um, uh, suggestion from uh, people that are transgender rather than, because, you know, if you, what, basically everything you said there, I can liken that to the idea of male, the men who have been trying to uh, have an influence over female reproductive health care for uh, ever and now, because <laughs> it's basically the same thing to some extent, you know, like saying, I know better that it should be this way, even though I don't have a female body and I have no idea what that's like, you know? <laughs> Right. Totally. And, and it's even beyond suggestion. I mean, we're really, really taking this person's, um, it's going to be more than just one person, but, um, uh, guidance and advice and running everything by this person. Um, because you, you really can't speak on behalf of the transgender community if you're not transgender and say, this is, this will probably work. Like for example, the other box, we might think, you know, if I'm a cisgender person, which I am, identify as cisgender, um, I might think, oh, other makes sense because then you give someone an opportunity to write who they are. That's great. You know, maybe I have a real positive uh, <laughs> happening there. Um, but, you know, now I can have a transgender person actually say, yeah, it actually sucks to be othered when you've been othered your whole life. And then you go, oh, shoot. Okay. And, you, and then you're learning, which is, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's, that's basically what's going on here is that we are all learning. We are all learning right now. We're all trying to navigate this no matter, you know, what box we were to click. <laughs> um, because this is all new, you know, we, the, the landscape is changing and, uh, very fast and I'm absolutely fine with it. I'm intrigued. I'm like, Oh, let's do this. Sounds new and exciting. <laughs> um, how long do you think it's been since in Planned Parenthood that you started to see these kind of changes take place and where, you know, uh, where there needed to be more boxes or all this was being brought up? I remember some of the more, the more, um, the situations that first started to come up for me when I was actually working in the health center. Um, for a while I worked, um, in city Heights and, um, I think I started seeing probably like, I want to say like 
six, five to six years ago, um, just more people coming in and saying, um, saying just simple things like our family packed card, that green card that a lot of our patients qualify for to get their services covered. Um, that application has, has had male and female forever. I mean, in getting the government to catch up with these changes, that's, I'm a, whole sure. other, that's a whole nother, uh, discussion, but, um, you know, we, we are in charge of that form. And so I just started hearing more people probably in the last five or six years who are saying, you know, why does this form only have male, female? Can I write something else? Or, um, and at the time I was, you know, I didn't know half as much as I do now or have, you know, had the, um, I've been able to go to, um, a lot more things where I've learned more about the transgender community. Um, but at the time I just, I just didn't know how to answer that question. I'm like, I don't know what, what, what's the other checkbox that you need, you know? And, um, and that, so those kind of questions were probably coming up, like I'd say five or six years ago, if not a little bit further. And then, um, also, um, having people come in who presented, maybe their, their gender identity was male presenting, but asking for services like pap smears or, um, vaginal exams. And, um, just trying to navigate how to have those conversations without having any kind of training or education on how to talk appropriately without, you know, offending someone. And, um, but also, and want to take care of them medically for with whatever that they have. So if this person's presenting as a male, but they have a vagina, then we still need to take care of their vagina. Um, (laughs) Those are things that I think I started seeing just, I want to say five or six years ago. Um, so I still feel like, again, it's pretty recent that people are self-identifying or being comfortable enough to say that, you know, when checking in for an appointment or when in the back office with you. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. that's probably my own timeline that I'd say I recognized a shift. Yeah. Cause I, I, yeah, it's been a, um, it's been a topic for a little while now, but I can't remember when it shifted. So <laughs> I felt like you were probably the best person to ask on that. Um, so I will, I applaud the work that you do, um, and putting your energy and it's not even just working there. You're out, you do events and you're out there, you educate people. I've seen things in the past where you're posting and, you know, uh, getting it out there and it's a much needed thing because, you know, and why I probably want to talk about this now is Venus is in uh, retrograde in Scorpio, you know, Scorpio deals with things that might be uncomfortable to talk about, or there might be murky gray area there, or it might have like a kind of a more secretive nature or a taboo nature. And essentially that's what we're dealing with now. Um, And we're also dealing with, you know, obviously uh, we're dealing with kind of a women's uprising that's happening now in in the world. And we can see clearly see that uh, in our Ford Kavanaugh hearings, uh, just, that's just one place of it, but it, that's the place that's really kind of blowing it up uh, right now, I think. And so, I mean, do you have any takes on that or just your, uh, you know, just as a woman, <laughs> you know, how you feel about all the, uh, us finally getting like a stronger voice here or, or yeah. starting to have a stronger voice? Well, this just on a personal note, I mean, for me this year has, felt really transformative. I don't, I felt like, was it something in the air? I mean, a lot of people actually tell me that I've just been putting myself out there or like, Oh, there's a lot of like, you're just doing all these things. And, um, you know, this year I started go-go dancing for, I do it at club spot, um, which is, I love it so much, but it's something that I would have, I probably would have never even thought that I would 
do just a couple years ago. Um, that is a long story, but essentially just growing up in a really conservative um, household that, you know, not by choice, <laughs> religion, um, religion and things being kind of forced upon me as far as um, what, how a woman should behave. And again, going back to that binary of men do this and women do that. And um, these very restrictive um, rules and thoughts about what makes a woman, what makes a man. Um, and so going to the, back to the go-go dancing thing that like a woman would never, uh, you know, dance in front of a crowd, you know, and it's, <laughs> or you mean a lady would never dance in front of a club, a lady. <laughs> would never do that. Or, you know, just these silly ideas that I didn't realize. And when you talk about that murkiness, were still I was still carrying with me. Mm. Um, so when I um, had the opportunities to start go-go dancing, all of a sudden these things are rising up in me that I didn't think I had an issue with. And I started going, oh, is that okay for me to do that? What a woman do? You know, and then I'm like, what is this voice that's even talking? This is not even how I feel about any of this, but realizing like it was these things I hadn't really dealt with. Um, these kind of things that had been taught to me from a pretty young age and challenging that and being like, you know what? That is ridiculous. I'm shutting that down. I'm done with that part of my life that even had that, those seeds buried in me somewhere to think that way about myself or shame myself and my body and what is okay and not okay based on just these concepts, archaic concepts that were kind of crammed down my throat. Um, from religion. Um, so talking about murkiness, I mean, there's some murky water there. I mean, bubbling up from childhood. Um, and yeah. so immer- just this whole year for me has just been just kind of emerging and like, I want to try this thing. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to do that. Um, so go-go dancing was a big thing. I started um, singing in our band, Forest Grove, um, just doing lead sing, being the lead singer Whereas before I played bass and sang, so there's a little bit of hiding behind the bass for me that I'm right there with you, girl. (laughs) I got too nervous or just overwhelmed or maybe when I was on stage, I could just really just focus on, okay, just play my instrument really well. And I don't need to look at the audience. I can just sing my part and go back to my, so, um, removing that safety blanket in a way for me and just having a mic in my hand and being the front person, um, that was definitely like transformative of having to just figure out who I wanted to be in that way. Yeah. I'm getting away from your original question. No, that's that's okay. But there's something I know I totally get you on that. It is different when you play, I don't know if anyone listening out there is a musician. It is different when you take a front role with an instrument versus taking a front role without an instrument, because there is that instrument can be that, um, <laughs> it, it, that safety blanket. Absolutely. But if you're just standing there and you just have a mic in your hand, you know, that comes down to like body movement and feeling the moment because, you know, you have to kind of do something with yourself. So I, it, it is very liberating. Um, removing the instrument. And I've only done that a couple times personally myself. And it's kind of weird at first because it started and then, you know, you literally have to be in it. You have to be part of it. You have to let a part of yourself go so that you can, you know, find that expression. Um, So I, I totally get that. Um, But to like it back to what you were saying about 
all these murky topics. And I think a lot of us women are going through this now, especially people that are, um, you know, well, basically people that are in our generation and older, because we are working with these um, outdated, you know, concepts essentially from a subconscious level, what, of what we think of how a woman should act or a woman should be, or what we should be aware of, or, or what we should be responsible for. Because that's the thing too, is like, women have a lot of responsibilities thrown on their back. Like I saw a, a Facebook post uh, earlier today where it had like a, a male symbol on one side and a female on the other. And the male symbol says, nothing, I don't think about it. And the female symbol is all, hold my keys as a potential weapon. Check the backseat of a car before getting in the car. Always carry a cell phone. Don't go jogging at night. Don't wear headphones while you're jogging. You know, and it was just this long list of everything we had to be responsible for so that we didn't, you know, get attacked or be this thing that's a vulnerable creature. And uh, yeah, so, and those things live very deep within us because that's just how society... And I think that's kind of the hardest part about all this right now for a lot of people is that when it's that ingrained, we just, we want to be free from it, but there's even those little uh, impulses that just are there, you know? So yeah, I just wanted to say that. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, it's actually, I was just going to add on to that. It's pretty interesting when you think of the, those are that laundry list of things that we teach women as they're growing up. and so part of the experience that I learned about from trans women is that if you're assigned male at birth, so you come out of the womb and you have a penis instantly, instantly you you are, you will start getting taught things that are for men and how men act in the world. Um, pretty much from probably the little blanket that they bundle you in at the hospital, if it's blue or pink. Right. And so if you're a trans woman and you're starting to, navigate the world of being a woman, right? Um, but you were assigned male at birth, so maybe your whole life, maybe you didn't transition um, until, I don't know, after puberty or something like that. So for the bulk of maybe your childhood, you were getting messages about what it is to be a man in this world. So now that you're a trans woman, um, you might not be hearing those don't, you know, hold your keys like a weapon. Uh, don't walk alone at night. Like all those little messages that say people who are assigned female at birth, women growing up were hearing, you didn't hear those yet. You're expected to show up like that in the world. Mm. So does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, Absolutely. Oh, it's so interesting how I think people are trying to politicize. Oh, you know, there's male, female, like Oh gosh, I, I try to avoid the comment threads, but it, <laughs> I mean, it's so true. We are totally adhering strictly to the binary and it's affecting even, um, especially people's safety because we're not teaching women things that just should be general knowledge. And we're not teaching men things that should be general knowledge for just human beings. Mm. Um, so now that if you're a trans woman, you're walking down the street, but you're not holding your keys like a weapon because you weren't taught that because you weren't you didn't come out of the womb with a vagina. I mean, that's just crazy. It's just like general safety issues. So I just, I mean, it's crazy as in we're so stuck in adhering to that, that at risk because of things we're teaching them just based on whether they have a penis or a vagina or something. Yeah. 
Well, and it's, it's funny, Shelby, because I was thinking about, actually, I was thinking about this earlier today when I was reading that list. And of course the first one was, you know, keep your keys in your, in your hand. Um, and I've always kind of had a little bit of a fearless personality when it comes to stuff like that. Like I always kind of like hold myself in a particular type of respect. And I think that has like reflected on my aura a bit to where I am fortunate enough to say that I don't, I have not really gotten messed with at least to this point in my life. Um, and so, but part of me, if it's really late at night, uh, you know, especially, you know, being in a band coming home late at night from playing a show, you know, in the middle of the whatever, and you have to park a little farther away from your house, even though that's those, those are the moments when my heart would start to go, you know, like start to beat faster. And I was like, Oh, maybe I should do this. And I was thinking about this this morning and I wondered if, that if that is part of a collective fear that women have hold that I don't necessarily do that every time I go from car to car, but I could just feel it. Like, I don't know. Does that make any sense? Like kind of, that we hold a collective fear together where <laughs> even if I'm not predisposed to kind of like really protect myself in all that laundry list of ways, like a lot of women do, uh, there are still those moments where I feel the heaviness of what could possibly happen based on my, you know, potential weakness in a situation. Yeah. And I think that's why when we're hearing all this stuff that's going on with the, God, the Kavanaugh hearing and, and all of these, uh, uh, these women coming forward, just in general, the whole Me Too movement and everything. Um, when you're talking about that collective fear, I think that's why it's so, it takes, it's so draining Yeah, to hear it because we're not just hearing this person's story, but we're thinking about all the things that have happened to us or our friends or this collective group. Um, and that's why I think it's so draining. So it might sound like we're being, I don't know, sensitive. What do people like to say? We're snowflakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Snowflakes are really pretty and beautiful. So that's especially. No, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb and say any woman is, is not a snowflake. You know how hard it is to be a woman? Come on, people. There is no snowflake here, you know, <laughs> other than the uniqueness of we're all unique, beautiful. The unique and beauty unique. of a snowflake, of course. Yes, yeah. yes, but not on, the, not on the weak side, you know. Have you checked lately that we give birth? We are the ones <laughs> that give birth, and that is incredibly hard. Um, and, you know, isn't what women have a higher tolerance to pain, right? Isn't that the... I think so. Is that a, I, is that a misconception or... <laughs> I think that's... I'm pretty sure that's based in uh, some science, but I'm not going to confirm. <laughs> yeah, me either. I'm not... <laughs> but it would make sense. I mean, when you go through such a... Um, uh, a body brunting type of thing as, as birth, you know, I would hope that we have a couple of little extra things in there to help us, you know, get past that. Oh, no, I hear you, Shelby. I groan too when I think about the hearings, but that's where we are at right now. And, um, I'm thankful that we are, unfortunately, we got to go through some shit to get there. But at the end of the day, I'd rather these things be coming up than us just, you know, going through the motions of, of being female. But, and you uh, see yeah. The fear, I mean, when you just, I, I mean, his face is so horrible, but Kavanaugh's face, I mean, his, the way that he's reacting does feel like a collective anger and fear yeah. of people like him who probably for so long have not even had their roles in, in masculinity and power questioned. Mm. And now we're finally getting some people to have a voice and um, just 
he looked so distressed on this like deep level. And part of me is like, Oh, is this, is this the beginning of that change that we're really starting to see of men in power, not being starting to see what, like, Oh wait, I think our power is slipping. Shaking in their boots a little bit. Yeah. That was very fascinating to see. Um, for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, Lindsey Graham's outrage, that guy. Oh my God. Um, no comment. Um, but I had, I have a male friend of mine. He made a, a nice eloquent post on what he had, what he had observed while watching the hearing. Um, and one of the things he said that really sp- like sprung out to me most, um, and really exemplifies a lot of this Venus retrograde process, especially since Venus has to do with such things as, you know, what we're worthy of. Um, and he said, he, he has Kavanaugh really seemed like he thinks he is entitled to that seat on the bench rather than needing to prove he is worthy of it. And I think that is, uh, speaks a lot of Testament to, um, you know, what we're, what we're seeing here, you know, it's not, there's this entitlement, um, and especially to that, you know, that white male energy, uh, in, in the government, <laughs> um, and of course, this is, that's probably a whole nother podcast, but you know, I, I just found that very appropriate thing to say because that's probably why he's shaking, you know, like right, you just assume right. that you got something. Yeah. And, um, that kind of leads me to something I was also thinking about of the, the idea of feeling like you're worthy enough to, to be in a role. And like, and that was a huge thing for me because, um, earlier this year in, in May, I actually came out on Instagram as being bisexual, um, and identifying as a queer person. Um, and it took me so, I mean, beyond my whole life and not really knowing why I felt very different about things and experiences, but, um, just even make that post. Oh, I can't even tell you. I had like a whole conversation in my head already giving my own self rebuttals to why (laughs) that's probably a Virgo thing too, but yeah, a huge part of it was feeling like, am I really, am I allowed am I like allowed to say I'm queer? Am I allowed to say I'm bisexual? Like maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not bi enough. Maybe I'm not queer enough to even say that I am. And like, people are going to call me out and, oh gosh, I had all these arguments just with myself. And, um, it was all about that feeling of feeling like you're worthy enough or enough of something to Mm -hmm. identify as it. Um, and because, you know, I am married to a man, um, I, very easily to just going about my day, come off as a heterosexual couple, you know, and, um, there's a lot of safety. There's privilege in that. You know, I, I don't, I do benefit from that and I'm, I'm acknowledging that. And I think, um, and when I say benefit, I just mean there's, there's safety in appearing heterosexual in our world. There just really is, you know? Um, and so anyway, when I was, trying to figure out how to articulate why it was important for me to come out. A huge part of it was I wanted to prove to people that I was worthy of, of identifying that, or yes, I'm married to a man, but I'm still, that doesn't make me less of a bisexual person. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was so hard to allow myself to do. Um, cause I was just waiting for one person to comment and say, yeah, but it doesn't matter now because you're married to a man. So you're pretty much, you're straight you know, or I was just waiting for someone to take it away from me. And I was like almost coming at it in this very defensive way. And thankfully I have amazing, wonderful friends and family and everyone was 
super supportive. And um, then just like, I think like a week ago or so I came out on Facebook because on Instagram was like a smaller group and I felt safer to do that. And then I did that on Facebook. Um, And in both situations, it was overwhelmingly positive response, but still even now I'm like, oh my gosh, but what about that one person who didn't comment or, or engage in the posts at all? What are they thinking? They're probably thinking this and then all these negative thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Enter the Virgo life. Um, you know, but that, that says something about, uh, especially in this, when this will air, we have the sun squaring Pluto and we're dealing with, um, you know, kind of power dynamics and struggles and stuff like that. And, you know, in that moment, you know, even though that was a, a huge milestone for, for you to be able to kind of liberate how you truly are to the public uh, so that you can just be like, I, you know, I don't identify like this. But at the same time, even though you had that overwhelming response, you know, there was a part of you that was allowing that power to be taken away from you by thinking that someone's going to contest that um, and have a problem with that and that their opinion or their value of worth or whatever is going to be more, um, you know, stronger than yours or have hold more weight, which, you know, and you're not the only one that does that. I do stuff like that all the time. I'm sure many people out there and many people listening are right there with you. So uh, for this kind of Plutonian week that we have going on, post that, you know, present that question. Why do we give that power away? Why do we let the potential of what others own opinion of how we live our lives and who we are, why do we let that affect us? Um, and how can we find an equilibrium there and a better balance, uh, that we can, you know, be who we are, but not be so concerned of what the other and, you know, and even what the government or, you know, more bureaucratic situation or, you know, organizations might think of us. So, and I, I think that was actually something that really made me feel like this year, I don't know, it just felt like the right time for me. I mean, cause this is something I've, you know, I've, when Zach and I first met, you know, and gosh, 2008, I think it was. Um, yeah, 2008, um, almost 10 years. Um, wow. It was, you know, talking about like previous partners or, you know, relationships. Um, it was one of the first conversations we had. And I, now I'm saying like 10 years later, I finally was able to actually tell other people that I identify as bisexual or that, that I'm a queer person. Um, so that's, you know, that's a long time to be, uh, not letting a part of you be a hundred percent on the outside. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I was, I had a point. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's actually what I was going to ask you. I was going to, you know, like there's something about this time that's going on right now where maybe if you tried to do this, you know, six years ago, it just might, it just wasn't the right time. Like there's a magic to this timing right now, I think. And, and that is what, you know, that's why we're talking about this. That's why we're, yeah. What it was. What is it? The timing of having someone like Trump in office that it's just like, it almost felt like if, if you're ever, if you're going to finally make a bold statement about yourself and I, and align yourself and identify with um, a community like the queer community or any, any marginalized community uh why not now when it's being <laughs> we have this government that is just so hateful and i felt like it just dawned on me i'm like i i there is i just want to be proudly part of this community because as my resin hearts say fuck it like <laughs> and i'm gonna be be like oh well i'm i'm married now to a man and so i don't i don't i'm not i don't need to identify i just be quiet and just be like 
I'm not saying that's what my relationship is doing, but I just mean like in my head, I was saying it wasn't important to come out as a queer person because my voice didn't matter. But then I think every single voice matters right now when things are being so put at risk and on the line of rights being taken away. So that's when I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to own my truth and I'm going to be another voice. If at least just one more voice can make a difference. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. No, that that's, that's great. And I think that um, I'm noticing that for, from a lot of people, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, gender issues, or we're talking about uh, financial inequality, or we're talking about, you know, just lack of opportunity for certain folks out there. It's just about having the voice, you know, because we're watching certain things that almost like absurdities of society that have held a uh, standpoint for so long, especially like a more patriarchal culture. And we're seeing this kind of last ditch effort come on. And it's like the more people like yourself that are out there, you know, speaking their, their truth and their voice, you know, that all that collective energy is going to come together to basically help hopefully to shift this dynamic even further than what we're seeing today. And so, yes, yes, fuck it. (laughs) So on that, I think we'll end our little segment here. (laughs) Um, Now, so Shelby, tell people where they can find you. Um, You have a website or things going on, all that. Yeah. So, well, the main band that we are, that I'm in now um, is called Forest Grove. Um, so we are on Instagram is at Forest Grove Band. Um, my personal Insta- Instagram is oh hi Shelby. <laughs> it's <laughs> oh underscore. I should do it easier. To and I will put this on my blog so you can find her. <laughs> on Instagram and my personal Instagram is basically everything I do. It's my go-go dancing. It's my music. It's my resin art. It's my cats. It's my husband. It's uh, vegan sushi. I'm also vegan. Didn't mention that earlier. It's part of. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, Instagram, oh, hi, Shelby, uh, Forest Grove band. Um, and then I am launching a, um, online store for all of my resin stuff, but I actually haven't decided on a name yet, which is unfortunate timing for this because I'd love to be able to see my store. <laughs> but I can't pick a name yet. So I will. We'll, we'll get it out there. We'll get it out there <laughs> through some stories or something okay. like that when you're ready. Um, do you, are you still doing your art on, uh, do you have a website for your art or? So I I have, I just actually looked at it the other day. It was, it's shelbyguba.com, but I actually have not posted on that website for two years. Oh, no. Um, I think I just, I've been so focused on so many other things like, um, band music stuff. And, um, I'm still doing art. I mean, I'm still, I mean, resin is actually kind of this new phase of doing art. Um, but yeah, I'm not currently active on that website. That's okay. Well, you know, if you want to see something she was doing a couple years ago, they're cute. All your little designs are very cute. Um, In perfect Virgo fashion, they're they're adorable. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it, Shelby. Um, So now if you missed any of that, I'll have it all on my own uh, blog post, which you can find at energeticprinciples.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at energeticprinciples. And you can also find me on Patreon if you're 
want to be uh, supportive of this podcast or get those moon horoscopes or my weekly tarot subscription, you can do that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, and if you like what you hear today, you know, spread it with a, share it with a friend, spread the good word, you know, cause sharing is caring, especially in Libra season right now. <laughs> um, and if you have nice things to say, I would love a good, uh, rating on iTunes cause it really helps to get, you know, all this out there. So, all right, Shelby. Well, thank you so much for joining me uh, and giving an alternative voice to the, the podcast than what I normally talk about, because I think yeah. that what you had to share was fascinating. Oh, thank you so much. It's really fun to do. <laughs> all right, everyone. Uh, well, thank you for tuning in. And until next time, may the stars be with you. 